Inshallah ta'ala, uh, we're going to start our weekly talk. As many of you already know, uh, the Saturday lecture series in uh, this month were about historic mosques. So we, was, we spoke about Masjid al-Haram, we spoke about uh, Masjid al-Nabawi, the Prophet's mosque. And of course today, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to be speaking about or um, uh, the Shaykh visiting us, Ustad Hisham, will be speaking about Masjid Al-Aqsa, a masjid that is close to our hearts, the third most important mosque for us as Muslims. So a few words uh, about uh, our guest here. With us is uh, Ustad Hisham, Ja'far Ali, Abu Yusuf, a person who's not new to the masjid, he came here several times and gave some very important and beneficial lectures. He has studied for a number of years in the UAE and is currently completing a BA in Islamic studies in Al-Azhar. He is a visiting Imam at Masjid Umar in Nottingham and a chaplain as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve him and make this a beneficial lecture. The topic is about Masjid Al-Aqsa, so please listen attentively. Barakallahu feekum, and I'm going to pass it on uh, to the Ustad now. Tafadal akhi. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Subhanal ladhi asra bi'abdihi laylam minal masjidil harami ilal masjidil aqsa ilal masjidil aqsa alladhi barakna hawlahu linuriyahu min ayatina innahu huwa sami'ul basir Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in A warm assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Certainly as warm as I can get it on a January evening With these verses and the beginning of Surah Al-Isra Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Glory be to the one who took his slave from Al-Masjid Al-Haram to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa the place Allah blessed its surroundings with. Indeed, He is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. This is in reference to the night journey that the Prophet ﷺ took from his house in Mecca to Masjid Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem and then to the heavens above. And in Masjid Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem, He leads all the Prophets in prayer. Why did Allah gather the Prophets in this Masjid? Allah is all able. He could have easily taken the Prophet ﷺ from his bedroom straight to the seven heavens. Why did he have to transit in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa? This is perhaps the first indication of the importance and the place and the status of this masjid. The Prophet ﷺ informs us when he's asked, O Prophet of Allah, what was the first masjid ever built? He says, Al-Masjid Al-Haram, the sacred mosque, the Kaaba. And then what was the next masjid ever built? He says, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. 
And he's asked how many years were between their construction. He says 40 years. And so we know that this masjid, its story does not begin with the life of the Prophet Its story does not begin with Maryam السلام, or Isa or Suleiman or Ibrahim. Its story begins with Adam السلام, or one of his sons who built this masjid. Adam السلام, or one of his sons, according to the majority of historians, one of them built the foundations of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa only 40 years after building Al-Masjid Al-Haram. And so it is the second masjid ever to be built in human history. The second place of worship ever to be built in human history. And just as Al-Masjid Al-Haram is a sacred place, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa is a sacred place. It's a sanctified place. In the Quran, in numerous places, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala calls this place, this masjid, he calls it a place of barakah. Barakah in the English language refers to anything that multiplies, anything that has blessing in it. Barakah is when you place a seed in the ground and you come back 10 years later and there's a whole rainforest there. Somehow it multiplied. It has a, an effect. This barakah in the Quran, when Allah talks about places, locations in the Quran, the one location, every time Allah mentions it, He says, barakna fiha, we blessed it. Allah says, I just mentioned the ayah. Subhanalladhi asra bi'abadihi min al-masjid al-harami ila al-masjid al-aqsa alladhi barakna hawla. Glory be to the one who took his slave from the sacred masjid in Mecca to the farthest masjid in Jerusalem, which we have blessed its surroundings with. Then when Allah talks about Lut alayhi salam, Allah says, وَنَجَّيْنَاهُ وَلُوطًا إِلَى الْأَرْضِ الَّتِي بَارَكْنَا فِيهَا لِلْعَالَمِينَ When Lut is he's running away from the destruction of his people. Where does he take refuge? Where does he take rest? Where does he find safety? In Jerusalem. In the Masjid Al-Aqsa. Allah says we saved Lut and we saved him. He took refuge in the land that we place a lot of blessing in for the entire world. And Allah says in the Quran, وَأَوْرَثْنَا الْقَوْمَ الَّذِينَ كَانُوا يُسْتَضْعَفُونَ مَشَارِقَ الْأَرْضِ وَمَغَارِبَهَا الَّتِي بَارَكْنَا فِيهَا And we, in, we gave this land, the land of Jerusalem, we gave it to people who were being weakened and enslaved in the land, then they became the winners and they became the owners of this land of Jerusalem. And Allah says about Sulaiman alayhi salam, وَلِسُلَيْمَانَ الرِّيحَ صِفَةً تَجْرِي بِأَمْرِهِ إِلَى الْأَرْضِ الَّتِي بَارَكْنَا فِيهَا And Sulaiman could command the winds with a single word. And these winds would take him to the blessed land. Speaking of specifically the land of Jerusalem and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And when Allah talks about Musa alayhi salam, and Musa has a legacy with this place, but we'll just mention the ayah. When Musa alayhi salam speaks to his people, he says, Ya qawmi dukhulul ardal muqaddasata allati kataballahu lakum. My people, Banu Israel, we've just been saved from Egypt. Allah is giving you an opportunity to enter the blessed sacred land that he has promised you. What land is that? It is Jerusalem and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And so in the Quran, Allah frequently mentions this place and its surroundings as a blessed place, a special place, a sacred place. And this masjid has a history with prophets. 
And we're going to talk about that in a moment. So we said, first of all, it was the second masjid ever to be built. And then what happens after it is the second masjid ever to be built? Over time, the foundations of this masjid begin to weaken, begin to decay. And so it is rebuilt by messenger after messenger. Yaqub alayhi salam. After Ibrahim alayhi salam, Yaqub alayhi salam rebuilds the foundations of this masjid. And later on, Sulaiman alayhi salam rebuilds this masjid and expands it. We know that Maryam alayhi salam used to spend her days and night in Baytul Maqdis, in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. We know that Musa alayhi salam, when he was expelled from Egypt with Banu Israel, he was trying to get them into the land Allah promised for them, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. So this is a land, the land of the prophets. The land which so many prophets interacted with, was surrounded by, we know that Ibrahim alayhi salam, that he passed away near, in and around Jerusalem, in Al-Quds. And so this truly is a really sacred land. Now when we say that Sulaiman rebuilt this masjid, it's of importance. Because when you look at the biblical narrative, what do the Christians think of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa? Because this is one masjid and one city, Jerusalem, which all three religions, Judaism, Christianity and Islam, are all fighting for. When we go to the Christian or the biblical narrative, they call Masjid Al-Aqsa Solomon's Temple. Solomon's Temple. Meaning the masjid, the ma'bad, the place of worship that Suleiman built. And so their history of Al-Aqsa begins with Solomon, with Suleiman alayhi salam. And we'll talk a little bit in detail how that affects later on when it comes to the crusades in the history of Bayt al-Maqdis, this masjid. What is the value of praying salah in this masjid? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi says in a famous hadith, he mentions the virtue of praying salah in Masjid al-Nabawi, in the Prophet's masjid. In Masjid al-Haram, in the sacred masjid in Mecca, around the Kaaba. And then he says, one salah in Masjid al-Aqsa is equivalent to 500 salah in reward. Abu Dharr radiallahu anhu, one day, he asks the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which is better, me praying salah in Masjid al-Aqsa in Jerusalem or me praying salah in the Prophet's masjid in Medina? The Prophet replies to him, Praying salah in my masjid is four times more rewarded than for you to pray in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. But, what a beautiful place to play Masjid Al-Aqsa is. He says, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, Jerusalem, is the place we will all be gathered to when it comes before the Day of Judgment. That is the place that all of humanity will be gathered. That is its importance. And here the Prophet makes a very sad prophecy. He predicts something that really hurts when you think about it. He says, a time will come. He says, there will come a time when if a person were to own a string of land, like this, you know, a, a horse's rein, the rope used to tie the horse and to hold it and to control it. If you were to own some land just the size of that rope, from which you could see Masjid Al-Aqsa, that land would be more beloved to you than the whole world and what is inside it. 
Meaning a time will come when Muslims will not be able to live in, Masjid al in, in Jerusalem, will not be able to pray in Masjid al-Aqsa. And for you to have some place you can even look at it from a distance will be so amazing for you. It will be better for you than the whole world and what is in it. So the Prophet predicts here, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that a time will come in which even to look at Masjid al-Aqsa from a long distance will be the best thing you can own in the entire world. The most expensive and valuable real estate you can have in the entire world is just to look at Masjid al-Aqsa. And this is the hadith of Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu. Now, we talk about the Prophet and their interaction with this masjid. And we can't, if we talk about the Prophet and their interaction of this masjid and with Jerusalem, we cannot but stop at Musa When Musa takes the Israelites away from Egypt, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises them a beautiful land with fruits and orchards and olive trees and rivers. But he tells them they have to work hard for it. And so Musa alayhi salam says to them, Ya qawmi dakhulul arda al-muqaddasata allati katab allahu lakum. My people, enter this beautiful land Allah has promised you after you left behind Egypt. But don't turn away or you will become losers. What did his people, what did the Israelites reply to Musa alayhi salam? There are very strong and scary people in there. And we're never going near there as long as those scary people are inside. You and Allah go and fight. We'll be sitting right here watching you. Look at the laziness. Look at the refusal to do effort to gain what Allah has promised them. And so Allah punished them. Forty years you will wander aimlessly in the land. You will not get that land, that security, that stability that Allah promised you. You're not going to get it. Forty years. And so Musa alayhi salam repeatedly he promises them we just need to do a little bit of effort and we can enter into Palestine. We can pray in Baytul Maqdis. And because of their treachery and their lies and their disobedience, they are prevented from it. And again he tries and again they're prevented from it. And again he tries and again they're prevented from it. Until one day comes in which the angel of death visits Musa salam. And he asks the angel of death, what's going on? And he says, your death is now. And Musa salam has one last request to the angel of death. You know, they say make a wish, your last final wish. What would the, the final request of Musa salam be? What could it be? This great Prophet of Allah who was mentioned the most frequently in the Quran more than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What do you think his last request would be? He said, Oh Allah, if I cannot enter Jerusalem and I cannot pray in Baytul Maqdis in Masjid Al-Aqsa, let me at least look at it a stone's throw away. Let me die there. I want to die as close as possible to the borders of Masjid Al-Aqsa if I cannot enter it. And then the Prophet tells his companions, If I was there, I would have shown you where exactly his grave, because his grave was unmarked. 
Nobody knew where the grave of Musa salam was. The Prophet tells his companions, if I was in that location, I would have showed you that's where his grave is. A stone's throw away from Masjid Al-Aqsa. He wanted to die near this masjid. That's how much he wanted to see it if he could not experience praying in it. From the virtues of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, as we know, is that the first qibla, the first direction of prayer of the Muslims was towards Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Before it was towards the Kaaba. And imagine, a person is living in Mecca, standing in front of the Kaaba, but turning 180 degrees away from the Kaaba. How important must this masjid be for Allah to prefer it over the Kaaba? Sulaiman alayhi salam. When Allah mentions in the Quran regarding Sulaiman alayhi salam, He mentions that Sulaiman alayhi salam could push and command the winds and it would go with his command towards the blessed land, i.e. towards Baytul Maqdis. When Sulaiman comes across the blessed lands, he sees that the foundations built by Ibrahim have rusted and decayed, so he begins rebuilding it and expanding it. And the biblical narrative of this does a lot of detail on where he built and what he built and how he built it. And they call it the Temple of Solomon, the Temple of Sulaiman And we know that the history of this masjid is far before Sulaiman when we come to Isa alayhi salam and his mother Maryam alayhi salam, Allah says in the Quran, وَجَعَلْنَ بْنَ مَرْيَمَ وَأُمَّهُ آيَةً وَآوَيْنَاهُمَا إِلَىٰ رَبْوَةٍ ذَاتِ قَرَارٍ وَمَعِينٍ He says, we made the son of Maryam, Isa, the son of Maryam alayhi salam, and his mother, we made them both miraculous signs. And we gave them refuge in a place of safety and beauty. What is this place of safety and beauty that Isa and his mother took refuge? Abdahak and other tafsir scholars say, it is Baytul Maqdis Masjid Al-Aqsa. That is where they would live, that is where they would stay. So if you step into this masjid, this is not a masjid built by the Prophet ﷺ. This is a masjid which Isa ﷺ stayed in, which Musa ﷺ longed to be in. Which Sulaiman built, Yaqub touched, Ibrahim touched, Adam touched. That is the significance of this earth, this piece of land, this place of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Sulaiman rebuilt the masjid and he completed rebuilding the masjid, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Aas narrates. When Sulaiman ibn Dawood completed the construction of the masjid and he stepped back to admire the handiwork that was just completed, he made three du'as to Allah. He made three du'as to Allah. He asked Allah for wisdom or justice that is in agreement with the justice of Allah. And he asked Allah for a kingdom that would be the envy of generations beyond him. Nobody can have a kingdom like his. And you know what the third dua was? The third dua of Sulaiman alayhi salam. He made dua that Allah, O oh Allah, anybody who enters this masjid, Masjid al-Aqsa, let him leave this masjid sinless like the day he was born when he came out of his mother's stomach. The Prophet says, the first two du'as he made, Allah gave him. And the third, I hope that Allah gives him. That was the Prophet saying, Ameen, to the du'a of Sulaiman That whoever comes to this masjid with only one intention, not for tourism, not to look at the lights, 
not to savor the cuisines of Palestine, but to pray in this masjid. Only one intention except to pray in this masjid. Oh Allah, forgive all his sins. Don't leave a single sin on his shoulders like the day he was born. Dua of Sulaiman alayhi salam. And this dua and this history with the prophets, this is what led the prophet's companions, Ridwanullahi alayhim, to have a desire to go and pray in that masjid. Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, the famous companion and scholar from the Prophet He decides to go and make the journey to Masjid al-Aqsa in order to pray in it. And he remembers this dua, there's a specific wording in this dua that Suleiman makes. Suleiman says, whoever comes to this masjid with no intention except to pray in this masjid, oh Allah forgive all his sins. When Abdullah ibn Umar makes a travel, of months and months to go to Palestine, to go to Jerusalem, to enter this masjid, he's thirsty, but he doesn't drink water because he wants to get the reward for being there solely for salah, not for water, not for food, not for any distractions. Today, somebody gets a package to go to Masjid Al-Aqsa and the whole time they're there, they're taking snaps, selfies, savoring the Palestinian cuisines. It's a nice tourist festival, but where's the connection to the place of prayer that the Prophet set foot on. Where is the connection to the dua of Sulaiman Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma lands there. He says, I don't want anybody to give me water even though I'm thirsty. I just want to pray salah here. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam on the night of his ascension, he enters Masjid al-Aqsa. He prays two rak'ahs of salah to greet this masjid. And as he turns his head, the moment he turns his head after praying two rak'ahs, he sees all the prophets behind him. Imagine, imagine in your mind that moment. Idris, Adam, Musa, Isa, Suleiman, Ayyub, Yunus, Lut, standing behind the Prophet And he's shy to come forward, so Jibreel salam has to push him to lead the Salah. And he leads the Salah in front of all of these messengers. And so the Prophet's companions, many of them longed to pray in this masjid, made the journey. Khalid ibn al-Walid, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, so many of the Prophet's companions traveled from Mecca, from the Prophet's masjid. It's more rewardable for them to pray in the Prophet's masjid. But the pull of Masjid al-Aqsa is not something the companions of the Prophet could resist. Dozens of the Prophet's companions, 30, 40, 50 of them made the journey to Masjid al-Aqsa just to pray there. Some of them decided to live there. Some of them died there. Now, this masjid, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, was under Roman rule. And who knows in the audience, who was the first person to conquer Jerusalem and open up this masjid again to the Muslims? Salahuddin, a long time before Salahuddin, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, in 15th, in the 15th year after the Hijrah, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he enters this masjid. When the Muslims are ready to take the offensive to Jerusalem, the Roman patriarch at the time, Sophranos, he says, we don't want any bloodshed, we don't want any fighting. Let the Caliph Umar ibn Khattab come here and I will give him the keys to this masjid. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu didn't want to leave Medina because he didn't want to leave the base of the Muslims. But he makes the journey because he wants to see Masjid al-Aqsa. And he travels across. And he enters Palestine, he enters Jerusalem, humble. And this is a land full of Christians. 
And as an entering conqueror, he could have very well committed bloodshed and genocide and killed all of them. But not a single drop of blood was shed that day that Umar entered Jerusalem. Not a single drop of blood was shed. And when he enters, the time for Salah comes. And he tells the patriarch, the Christian ruler of Rome, I need to pray my Salah. The patriarch says, just pray in this church. Pray inside the church. Umar ibn Khattab anhu says, if I pray in this church, I know the Muslims. Some centuries down the line, they will break it and make a masjid Umar ibn Khattab over here. So let me pray outside the church. And today if you go, there is a masjid Umar ibn Khattab in the place that he prayed outside the church. He prays outside the church. And he rebuilds Masjid al-Aqsa. And at that time, it's a very humble dwelling. And Al-Bidayah and Nihai ibn Kathir mentioned that it was a wooden, it was made out of wood. Wood can barely stand against rain, let alone the elements. Very humble and small masjid made out of wood. And Umar ibn Khattab anhu and the Muslim rulers that come after him start to build it out. But when that day, Umar ibn Khattab and the companions of the Prophet enter Masjid al-Aqsa, a masjid after years of no Muslim praying in that masjid. They ask Bilal ibn Rabah radiallahu anhu make the adhan. It has been 14 years since Bilal made the adhan because he has not made the adhan since the death of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Out of the sadness of missing his presence, whenever Bilal would make the adhan, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, he would make it in a place where the footsteps of the Prophet could be heard and seen. When the Prophet passes away, Bilal stops making the adhan out of sadness. He could never complete Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar because the tears would overwhelm him. But today in Masjid al-Aqsa, the companions beg him, please Bilal, please make the call to salah. And Bilal in his sweet voice, he begins the call to prayer. And as he begins his call to prayer, the Sahaba begin to weep and to cry because his voice reminds them of the time in which Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to walk the earth. And they pray salah in Masjid al-Aqsa. And then begins a new era. And Masjid al-Aqsa is under Muslim rule for hundreds and hundreds of years. Muslims are praying in it, they're expanding it, they are taking care of it. Until the year 493 after Hijrah, or 1099 CE. In this year, the Christian Franks enter into Jerusalem. The Seljuk rulers give them some money to keep themselves safe and they run away. And they give away Masjid al-Aqsa to the Franks, to the Christian, the Crusaders. They come inside. And when Umar ibn Khattab entered Jerusalem, did he destroy all the churches? Did he kill all the Christians? No, not a single shed of, not a single drop of blood was shed and the Christians were allowed to worship and to practice their religion under the confines of the Sharia. They were given freedom. But when the Crusaders enter Jerusalem, when King Baldwin and the Crusaders enter Jerusalem, they slaughter 70,000 Muslims. They slaughter 70,000 Muslims and they remove them from Jerusalem. And what do they do with Masjid al-Aqsa? Do they preserve it as a place for the Muslims to pray? This is, if you remember, I mentioned that the Christians, they consider the Masjid al-Aqsa the temple of Sulaiman, the temple of Solomon. A group of warriors, a group of knights, they go to King Baldwin, the Christian king, and they ask him, can we set up a base for a group of warriors who will protect this kingdom? 
called the Knights of Solomon's Temple, or the Knights of the Temp- the Knights Templar. And make our base, make our headquarters, this Masjid, Masjid Al-Aqsa, because it's Solomon's Temple. So that Masjid becomes a dump. Masjid Al-Aqsa, part of it becomes horses stable, where horses, Akramakumullah, are defecating. Part of it becomes a headquarter for the operations to kill and to advance the attack on Muslims. In 11, the year 1120, they're given a headquarters in a wing of the royal palace on the Temple Mount captured in Masjid al-Aqsa. This is in the year 1120. 67 years later. So for 90 years, now imagine, just to flip your imagination, imagine today the Kaaba was taken over by these crusaders. And that horses were defecating Akramukumullah on the Kaaba. And that people were destroying and burning the Qur'ans. How would the Muslims feel towards this? That is the feeling that was had at the time. The Muslims' hearts were burning. That this place, the second masjid ever built, the place of the prophets, was being taken as a dump. And so what happened? 60 years later, 67 years after this happened, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahimahullah enters Jerusalem. He enters Jerusalem after the battle of Hittin and he takes over. And does he kill 70,000 Christians? Does he stand them in a line and mass murder them? Does he burn down their churches and their synagogues? No. As the Prophet ﷺ did when he entered Mecca, Fatih Mecca, when he conquered Mecca after 23, you know, after over 15 years away from Mecca, rather after 13, after 11 to 12 years away from Mecca, when he conquers Mecca, he says to them, "Idhabu fa Go today, you are free. La There's no blame on you today. Allah will forgive you. you. Don't don't worry. You have nothing to fear from me. When Salahuddin al-Ayyubi rahimahullah enters Jerusalem, he doesn't kill. He doesn't create bloodshed. With justice, whoever wants to leave safely, he gives them safe passage. He allows the Jews and the Christians to remain again under the Sharia and practice their faiths. And he restores Masjid al-Aqsa to the Masjid that it was before. And Masjid al-Aqsa remains and Jerusalem remains under the leadership of the Muslims. From this, from the 12th century, 1187, all the way up to 1809, when the Ottoman Empire was taking care of Jerusalem and Masjid al-Aqsa. And under the reign of the British, Masjid al-Aqsa and Jerusalem is taken away from the Muslims, from the leadership of the Ottoman Empire, and handed back to the non-Muslims. Today, Masjid al-Aqsa has seven entrances. Six of them are for Muslims, and one of them are for non-Muslims. Today, you can still go to Masjid al-Aqsa, and you can still pray in it. But you will see, sometimes, military forces in the Masjid. You will see, sometimes, people being harassed, people being pushed, people being hit. You will see things happening in this Masjid, which breaks your heart. And this is a cause which you have to remain attached to. Anywhere oppression lies, the Prophet says, Oppression is a form of darkness on the Day of Judgment. And no human being, Muslim or non-Muslim, should watch oppression and be satisfied with it. So when we see oppression taking place in the Holy Land, in Jerusalem, in Masjid Al-Aqsa, we feel hurt. But... What I encourage all of you to do as an action point is to try once in your lifetime to travel there. And I have not been able to, may Allah allow me the ability to as well, 
to travel to Masjid Al-Aqsa because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said لا تشد الرحال إلا إلى ثلاثة مساجد لا تشد الرحال إلا إلى ثلاثة مساجد It is not allowed for you to take a journey except to three masjids meaning a long journey of travel except to visit three masjids The third of them is Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa To visit that masjid, to see the plight of the suffering of the Palestinian people and the occupied sanctuary which is Jerusalem and to realize the blessings that we live with and to make dua for Allah to support them in the plight and the difficulty that they are in and to pray two rak'ahs in the masjid where the Prophet ﷺ prayed where his companions prayed where Zakaria alayhi salam, Sulaiman alayhi salam, Yaqub alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Adam alayhi salam where they set foot, pray in that masjid and feel the weight and the burden of history on your shoulders this masjid, al-masjid al-aqsa the word Aqsa in Arabic means the farthest masjid because of how distant it was from the Haram, from the Kaaba, from the first house that Allah built. But although it is far and although it is distant and although the journey is long, the reward is great and the history and the place is something that only when you see it, inshallah ta'ala, you will experience it and inshallah I will experience it and benefit from. When Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah radiallahu anhu and Bilal ibn Rabah and the Prophet's companions, when they would go to this masjid and when they would pray, they would really and truly feel as though it is a great privilege to be in this masjid. And Abdul Ghani al-Maqdisi rahimahullah in his book, Fadail al-Bayt al-Maqdis, The Virtues of Masjid al-Aqsa, he mentions narrations where some companions of the Prophets wanted to die in Masjid al-Aqsa. They wanted to live and die near, in or around Masjid al-Aqsa because of the blessings of that land, the barakah that Allah placed in that land. Today some of you may ask the question, what can we do for the occupied sanctuary? For this masjid which has been occupied and its surroundings which have been occupied. What can we do for it? The very bare minimum that you can do is to make dua. And the very bare minimum you and I can do is to not be disconnected to the plight of the Palestinian people and the surroundings and the history of what is happening there. The very little we can do is to remember that this is not just a political situation, it is a humanitarian situation, and more than that, and before that, it is a matter of deen, not a matter of politics. This is the house of Allah before the house of anybody else. And our heart should melt and crumble when we see the sights that happen and surround this masjid. And not just with dua, there are other steps that can be taken which inshallah all of you, you can look into after this talk. Other practical steps which can be taken in order to support the cause of the Palestinian people and to support and remove the oppression that is taking place in this masjid. هذا وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Before we complete the talk, those are all the points that I wanted to mention. There's a small quiz and a little giveaway. This is a book called From Al-Aqsa to the Lottery a small children's book for age three, three, three to six-year-olds. So for those who are families or who have younger siblings or little children, I've got 15 copies here to give for free if uh, the quiz questions are answered. So if you have younger siblings or if you have children or if you know a child you want to gift this to, shall I can answer the quiz questions. Okay. Question number one. What is the value of praying two rak'ahs in Masjid al-Aqsa? Yes. Worth 500 salah, mashallah. Collect your book afterwards, inshallah. Question number two. Which prophet made a dua to die 
in a place where he could see Masjid al-Aqsa. Musa alayhi salam. Those who, are, those who are shouting out, you'll have to give me a book. <laughs> Gentlemen at the back. Okay, question number three. How many years was the difference between the building of Al-Kaaba and the building of Masjid al-Aqsa? A young boy there with the blue thobe. Sorry? 40 years. MashaAllah, very good. Okay. Which prophet made a dua that whoever prays in Masjid al-Aqsa should leave the place sinless? Yes, gentlemen there. Suleiman Very good, MashaAllah. Now, I think we need some difficult questions because you guys are getting, getting all the questions too easily. Okay. Which prophet sought refuge in Masjid al-Aqsa after being kicked out of his original home? Yes, with the glasses, gentlemen. Sorry, what did you say there? Lut alayhi salam. Sorry. <laughs> the young man there has taken the, taken the prize. Okay. When the Quran describes al-Masjid al-Aqsa, when Allah tells Maryam السلام, to take refuge somewhere, how does the Quran describe that area of Jerusalem? Yes. The Quran generally describes it as a place of barakah. I think you still deserve a book. Um, but specifically with Maryam السلام, ila So what does that mean in English? Can anyone help our brother? Somewhere high. I have to give it to you. Arabwa <laughs> is a hill, right? But that qararin wa ma'in. A place of something and something. Hands. Yes. MashaAllah, safety and peace. MashaAllah, you just need it. I don't know how many books I've left, but it's like uh, at this point. <laughs> okay. Now, this is something I didn't mention in the talk, so this is trivia. This is, uh, inshallah, if you know this, then Shaykh al-Islam, you'll get the title Shaykh al-Islam. When Musa salam, said to his people, to Banu Israel, enter this blessed land that Allah has given to you, and don't turn away, or you will be left as losers. How, how many people accepted to fight for this cause? Hands. Yes. Two men. MashaAllah, that's good. I don't know if anybody keeping count how many books I've given away. Shall I will keep going? Okay. Which of the Prophet's companions? Are oh, we run out of time? No, you can go. Which of the Prophet's companions went to Masjid al-Aqsa but refused to drink water? Hands. Jamal. Abdullah ibn Umar Excellent. Which of the Prophet's companions who was a governor of one of his regions went to visit Masjid al-Aqsa? I mentioned his name in passing, but let's see who was paying attention. Hands? Yes? Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah. In what year <laughs> did Salahuddin enter Jerusalem? Yeah, Sheikh, you're scratching your head. Yes. Okay, if you get within five years of the of the number, then you can get it. Yes. Huh? Seven nine nine. Ten nine nine. No. 
But that is one of the dates. That's the dates the Christians occupied. Yes? Not close enough. You get two books, Ya Sheikh. 1187. Subhanallah. What, what are the chances? Subhanallah. Okay. How many years did the Christians occupy Jerusalem before Salahuddin came? 90 years. Uncle gets one as well. Anybody give me a good question I can ask? I'm running out. Ah, how many entrances does Masjid Aqsa have? Someone who hasn't answered, yes. Young boy at the back. Sorry? Inshallah. Young man at the back gets a book. Inshallah, all of you can collect your books from this box afterwards. Barakallah fikum wal afu minkum. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward Ustad Hisham and all of you for attending. Barakallah uh, fikum. This lecture series is still continuing on. So next week we have a lecture on Masjid al-Quba and Masjid al-Qiblatayn, two historic mosques in Medina. Uh, so inshallah ta'ala, please attend for that. Jazakumullah khair for attending. Uh, make dua for the Ustad and barakallahu feekum. Hope to see you guys next week inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.